Here we go. You're listening to the email Friday on Law and Gospel on this 7-22-22. That means July the 22nd, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we've got some emails that I think you'll find interesting. Uh, one of them I got sent was a cartoon of the Peanuts cartoon. Remember, they have characters on there. One girl is named Lucy, another is Linus, her friend. So here's what the cartoon says. I thought it was pretty good. Lucy says, looking out a window at a torrential rainstorm. Boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? Then Linus says, it will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that would never happen. And the sign of the promise is the rainbow. Then Lucy says, you've taken a great load off my mind. And Linus then says, Sound theology has a way of doing that. Now, that's really a, a good cartoon to talk about sound theology. And notice what Linus says is sound theology. He quotes the Bible, the ninth chapter of Genesis, to talk about the promise. Now, we, we've talked about this before that there are so-called scientists who can't understand how the whole world was flooded. So they think that the flood occurred in a local area where Noah was, not over the whole world. And that results in many problems. The first being that it says the mountains were covered with water. So how can you have a local flood where mountains are covered with water and nothing else is except in that locality? That doesn't make any sense at all. And, and, and so when you think about this, it's really ridiculous not to think what the Bible says happened. Plus, did you hear Linus's, well, when he quoted the Bible, he says, God promised never again to allow such a flood to occur. Now, God was talking about a worldwide flood. But if scientists, so-called, think it's only a local flood, then God breaks his promise because there are many local floods. Just go to YouTube and type in when they have the search floods and you'll see water comes streaming down mountains, down creeks, overflowing roads, uh, destroying many, many things. In, in fact, what do you think a tsunami is? How many... Well, was it 250,000 people 
died on the tsunami that occurred the day after Christmas recently. And millions of people were taken out of their houses, etc. That did not cover the whole earth. But it would be a breaking of God's promise if he promised only to keep local floods away. So really like that cartoon of Peanuts with Lucy and Linus talking the way they did. Now, another email that came kind of fits into this because it talks about modern heresies that are subtle. And this was written by Caleb Knox. And he is an intern at the Institute on Religion and Democracy, originally from original, from Virginia Beach. He has served as speechwriter, columnist, and fellow with the Hair Talk Foundation. So what, what's his article about? He says, we no longer battle explicit Gnostics, gone are the Arians, Manichaeism, Donatism, and Martianism have passed. Now, what's he talking about? These are heresies from the time of the early church. Uh, for example, Arian, after a man named Arius, believed that Jesus was not God, that he actually was the first creation that God the Father did. So he's part of creation. He's not divine. And that's why we have tremendous creeds like the Nicene Creed and specifically the Athanasian Creed that talk about Jesus as one substance with the Father. God in the person of three persons, one trinity. Now, what he says is, in those days, all of these doctrines were wrong, but they were genuine attempts to find and understand God. You see, I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now on Law and Gospel, that what a sermon is to do is to interpret the language of the Bible so people can understand what the true meaning of the text is. Now, I'm not talking about knowing the Greek and the Hebrew. Any pastor in a church needs to know how to deal with the original Greek and Hebrew, or he's just going to have Sunday school-level sermons. And there's just a lot of sermons you turn on the radio, and all they do is they just repeat what the text says. But they don't give the insights. Now, what I mean by that, and I've used this many times, in Mark 10, you have a lawyer, I'm sorry, a rich man. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus points him to the commandments. But of course, he thinks that what Jesus means is if I obey the commandments, then I win eternal life. 
he thinks you're saved by being justified by obeying the commandments. When Jesus is really talking about the life of sanctification, that on judgment day, God is going to take a look as to whether or not your motivation in obeying the commandments was properly done by the Holy Spirit as a fruit of faith rather than that which saves you. It's a result of being saved. And after you receive faith, then your love of Jesus grows to such a level that you love to do his commandments, which before you thought were ridiculous. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. To do his commandments properly means that you have faith. You are a believer, not an unbeliever. Now, in the early church, these unbelievers who taught false doctrine, they attempted to have an attempt to find and understand God. But fortunately, to combat their falsehoods, the energetic wisdom of the church met men of equal conviction. The heretics they faced were horribly wrong, and the men against them were terribly brilliant. Their creeds were codified. Their conclusions were definite. They were learned. Now, the doctrines of the false teachers were perverse, clearly wrong, but they were articulate. In fact, they were wolves in sheep's clothing and fierce as such. They had conviction, true conviction. The church was writing and fighting against fanatics, but they were not simplistic. Now their spirituality pointed to darkness against the church's light. If you want to understand the difference, read the book of Proverbs. We're studying that on Wednesdays where there's a big distinction between wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom is Jesus. Foolishness is the devil. And a lot of people follow the devil's foolishness, not because they're dumb, but sometimes they're very smart. They may even have high IQs, but their reasoning is contrary to God's word. They may say, well, obviously the world is millions of years old because that's how long it takes a diamond to be conceived and come into existence. Well, they don't realize that when God created the world in six 24-hour days, he did so with age. In other words, if a doctor had walked into the Garden of Eden on the 10th day and met Adam and Eve, he never would have guessed on the basis of today's science that they were only three days old. No, 
they would be 18 to 20 days old from a scientific point of view. In fact, there were trees that they, one tree not to eat. So it takes a long time for a tree to grow, but it was there immediately. So this is how false scientists use reason and what they think is logic to pretend that the world and the universe is millions of years old when it isn't that at all. Now, you need to understand that the early church really characterizes a different spirit against false doctrine than today. Today, virtue and doctrine seem less important. We are slow to think of ourselves as primarily moral human beings. Now, this has occurred, according to this article, by the explosion of commerce in the last three centuries, for which we ought to be grateful to God for. But it has trained us to think that humans can live on bread alone. Look how many suicides occur today because people don't think they have the right bread. So economics now becomes God, not religion. And when occasional pings of conscience do arrive, how do people help themselves? They go to therapy. Therapy is the remedy where you have psychologists explaining guilt without any sin. And peace is sought without repentance. Just listen to the people who think the gay movement is according to God's plan. Well, you were born that way, they say, and therefore that's the way God wants you to be. Now, that same reasoning could be used about a pedophile, but for some reason they don't use that reasoning for pedophiles or rapists, but they do for gay people. Once more, it shows the ridiculous logic and reason of today's climate. Today, we rarely think on a moral landscape and therefore great characters becomes more difficult to develop because according to the Bible, there are two paths. The one is the path of Jesus. That's a narrow path where there are great characters because they understand what God means by reality, by morality, by integrity, by loving the neighbor, in contrast to those who don't think on a moral landscape. C.S. Lewis makes this very point in his Screwtape Letters. He observes that great sinners, those are unbelievers, and saints kind of look the same. 
a zealot in Satan's ranks acts when often he retains his seal. And unlike unbelievers, when he becomes converted, he becomes like the Apostle Paul with great conviction in the proper way. But today, this class of human is frequently less because true conviction has been replaced by apathy. In a recent survey among pastors, they were asked, what's the biggest problem in your congregation? And they said, it is apathy. Mediocrity is placed among the defining characteristics of democracy and has stripped men of the excellence of the soul-making greatness that is possible. So lacking fervor, many Christians now slouch toward a sluggish religiosity where the church that they attend is really not firm in its teachings and the heresies of our day are not made clear. You have an uneasy mixture of the two which leaves many Christians unsure of what we are to believe, what is right, what is wrong. And lacking these clear moral categories, it is more common for humans to stumble into falsehood than to stand firm in what is actually true. You can see that on church signs especially churches that do not preach the gospel properly. And the people get the impression that the way of life that God wants them to follow is that of social ministry, which means taking care of the hungry, giving homes to the homeless, and helping people who are short on money. This is a softening of Christianity, and therefore the modern heretic, especially in the Christian church, is not zealous, but mild, and that is the danger. This is domesticated Christianity and rarely has the intellectual might or will to express the beliefs of God clearly. Uh, Given its undefined nature, people struggle to name the modern heresy, but we can at least say it is a disbelief in firm belief. What does that mean? Look how many people today say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. And they think that the belief of a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist is just as good as the belief of a Christian. And and that is the downfall of the church. Chesterton once said, 
our ancestors made the error of burning those at the stake who fell outside of what was thought to be the true biblical point of view. But the error today is the opposite, and just as seriously. We figuratively burn the person who upholds biblical orthodoxy, perhaps for no other reason that he holds to such a belief. As we talked about yesterday, much of free speech is disappearing in the United States, where people of confessional integrity are not permitted to speak at universities because people believe that their thought is wrong. And when you have wrong thought, then you get rid of it. Now, this follows two centuries of passion and war. And in Europe, there was a worldview that looked for that which does not have such zeal. Self-interest, consent, and conscience replace courage, glory, and moral purity. Just take a look at those people who are against what the Supreme Court has done in denouncing Roe v. Wade. It is because of their self-interest and their conscience that says, well, I should have a right over my own body, which doesn't make any medical sense at all that the baby within their womb is part of their own body. That's really where we're having a problem with. Such a neutralized Christianity comes from people who are unclear and rarely learned about God's word. Lucy in that cartoon with Linus talking about the promise of God, never destroy the world in a worldwide flood again. That was really a developed understanding of God's word. Often, those who are false cannot explain what they believe by means of a syllogism, which means they cannot be logical. They're instead taught with simple tautologies. I suspect, the writer says, that most doctrinal errors of today are not the product of scholars but the product of mindlessness. And you see this in the movies on evolution. I just saw one where aliens came to Earth and they looked like regular human beings. And when they analyzed them, a dead alien in a spaceship, they discovered he had many of the same parts that human beings had today. So they came up with a solution that man on earth did not evolve, but rather he came into existence because of aliens that landed here millions of years ago. And they had children from 
pre-ape individuals. This is how ridiculous evolution gets. So what's happening today, if you are a speaker of the Bible, you are often bypassed and you are attacked with vague platitudes and slogans. Rather than fight on the battlefield in daylight with clear lines, these heretics sneak into congregations quietly. And in a sense, some congregations become like the Trojan horse. Remember, that's how they attacked the city. They made a big horse and were able to hide in it. And they had it on wheels. So the citizens of the city rolled it into their city. And when they closed the doors of the city, at night, the doors of the horse opened. Soldiers came out and defeated the city by opening the gates to their compatriots. Church teaching these days among many congregations is becoming less rigorous, less zealous, and less distinct. Messages now slide toward a more general point of view, bound together by vague cliches that neither elevate nor disturb. There rarely is law to frighten people that they are not obeying the law and helps them to do what John the Baptist did, namely look to a savior who has the solution to our inability to follow God's will. We are led astray, not by good persuasion, but by telling us what we already know and keeping us where we presently are. That's a really good summary of what is happening in today's society. That's why we encourage you as much as possible to listen to KFUO and the programs because we are convicted by God's word and not by simplistic reasoning. I'm Tom Baker, and on Monday's Law and Gospel, you'll hear how we analyze a verse from God's point of view rather than from man's. Join us. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.